Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voices of America. I'm James Butty in Washington. Today is Thursday, August the 18th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Kenya's president-elect William Ruto prepares to govern, while opposition leader Raila Odinga gets ready to go to court. I want to promise the people of Kenya that our administration will have nothing to do with the blackmail we have seen, the threats we have seen, that you cannot talk to this or that person because they don't share your political views. Civil society groups protest in Angola's capital to demand transparency in the August 24 elections. Detained Tigrayans return to their hometown after their release. WHO chief calls Tigray the worst humanitarian and man-made disaster on earth. The outgoing chair of SADC, Malawi President Lashra Chakwera, calls on its leaders to continue to entrench democratic values and constitutional rule. He said it is important that SADC sets the pace in the world by being the beacon of democracy. And that means peaceful elections, credible elections, but also peaceful transition of power. And more reactions in Liberia to the U.S. government's decision to sanction three top government officials. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. In a meeting held in Nairobi on Wednesday, Kenyan President-elect William Ruto said Kenyans will have the freedom that he said most lacked under the administration he shared with President Uhuru Kenyatta. Meanwhile, former Prime Minister Raila Odinga held a meeting as well to plan a way forward after rejecting the election results that declared Ruto the winner. Maureen Ojiambo reports from Nairobi. The two competitive camps, the Kenya Kwanza team led by President-elect William Ruto and the Azimio La Umoja, one Kenya coalition led by former Prime Minister Eludinga, led their teams in chanting the way forward after the August 9th polls. Speaking in Nairobi, President-elect William Ruto said that Kenyans will have freedom of expression despite their political affiliation. Blackmail, intimidation, threats have come to a stop. I want to promise the people of Kenya that our administration will have nothing to do with the blackmail we have seen, the threats we have seen, the fear that has been sold around the country, that you cannot talk to this or that person because they don't share your political views. We are having our democratic country back. Unlike President Uhuru Kenyatta's administration, where public servants were allowed to work for political parties, they will not now be allowed to carry out duties for any political party in Ruto's government. He says that it is the only way a government that he leads can deliver to Kenyans. As we celebrate this moment, we also must focus on making sure that we deliver on our commitment. And I really want us to know that the expectations of the people of Kenya are huge. And therefore, we do not have the luxury of wasting any time. At the same time, Azimio Umoja, one Kenya presidential candidate, Raila Odinga, on Wednesday chaired an elected leaders meeting in Nairobi discussing the coalition's political agenda. Speaking after the meeting, Odinga's deputy presidential candidate in the just-concluded election, Martha Karua, said that the coalition is still pursuing legal avenues to challenge the results, but she says denied them victory. Our figures show that we command the National Assembly. The Senate, our competitors are up by one. We must look and plan how we are going to execute our mandate on the matter of 
the election. Ours is victory deferred, but it's coming home. Kalonzo Musioka is the leader of Waipa Democratic Party, and he was to be the chief minister in Odinga's government if he had won the elections. Since the statement by a presidential candidate, the whole world has uh, its attention drawn on our wonderful republic, a country we all love, and a country that none of us is prepared to let go the wrong way. But the most important matter is to stand in solidarity so that Kenyans can live happily together. On Monday, Ruto was declared the winner of the presidential elections by the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission after he garnered just over 7 million votes against Azimio La Umoja coalition leader Elodinga, who garnered over 6.9 million votes. Odinga termed Ruto's win null and void, saying he will challenge the results in court already. Preparations by the Supreme Court of Kenya are underway for the petition that must be filed by August 22nd at the court's registry. As of yesterday, Wednesday, no case had been filed. Reporting for viewers, Daybreak Africa, Ayamurino Jumbo in Nairobi, Kenya. Angolans go to the polls on August 24th to vote for parliament and president. Yesterday and Wednesday, civil society groups demonstrated in the capital, Luanda, to demand a free and fair election. The two main parties are the ruling popular movement for the liberation of Angola, the MPLA, led by President Joao Lorenzo, and the National Union for the Total Independence of Angola, UNITA, led by Alberto Costa Jr., Florindo Chivukute is executive director of Friends of Angola. He tells me the purpose of the rally was to demand transparency in the coming election, but police arrested several protesters. There was a rally today in Luanda, and uh, several people were arrested, including a journalist from Voice of America, Mr. Kok Mokuta. The rally was organized by a civil society to demand transparency on the electoral process. So they believe that there's a need to have more transparency, and including a correction of a database from the National Electoral Commission. And so as they were prepared to hold a rally they were met by police forces and as i said several were arrested as a result what would you say are the main issues going into the election next week the main issues are related to unemployment in particular among the youth extreme poverty in angola more than a half of population are living on the poverty line in part that was a result of the corruption in individuals from the ruling party government officials they have looted the country for years during the santos and continue to up today and of course the covid 19 didn't help as well access to education and really seems to me that there is a a momentum for folks to see a different party leading the country as you may know mpla has been ruling angola since 1975 when angola became independent there was a development pertaining to the election. Uh, we understand a former prime minister in the ruling MPLA has endorsed the opposition UNITA. How important is his endorsement? 
Prime Minister Marcolino Moco is also a senior MPLA politician's endorsement to UNITA is significant. It's huge because it's very popular, not just among politicians, but also civil society. It's one of the few senior politicians from MPLA, the ruling party, that has been outspoken. Kenya just had its election, presidential election, now Angola. What are the concerns of Angola? in terms of how free and fair this election is going to be. Many Angolans believe that the elections will not be free and fair because the process from the beginning has been compromised from the company that will be providing the logistics, Indra, for the upcoming elections and the database that, as I alluded to, has uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have died, some of them more than 20 years ago and the number of observers that the national commission has been assigned to 2,000 total for 18 provinces for more than uh, 2,000 polls throughout the country which will not be enough to monitor to observe the elections next week so there's there's a lot of concerns and valid concerns and unfortunately the government hasn't addressed those concerns on the contrary they have ignored, and as a result, the many believe that we cannot have a free and fair elections. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as usual, and thank you very much. Thank you. It's uh, my pleasure. Florindo Chivukute is the executive director of Friends of Angola. He spoke with me from the Angolan capital, Luanda. The outgoing chair of the Southern African Development Community, also known as SADC, Malawi President Lastro Chakwera, has called on its leaders to continue to entrench democratic values and constitutional rule. He also says that if thriving democracies are the software of the region's stability, then robust security should be its hardware. Chakwera spoke Wednesday in Kinshasa while welcoming regional leaders to the 42nd summit of SADC. Sean Campodeni is the director of communications for President Chakwera. From Kinshasa, he tells me that President Chakwera touted the successes of the SADC military mission in Mozambique. President Chakwera, before he handed over the mantle of leadership over this 16-member block of nations, delivered a keynote address outlining essentially two things uh, One, outlining the progress that has been made during the one year he has been chair on their collective agenda of the SADC bloc on economic integration. The second bit is uh, also uh, progress made on the implementation of the strategic plan. And obviously within the context of that uh, strategic plan is a report that the president gave on the progress made on security issues. It was under President Chakwera's leadership that Sadek sent troops to Mozambique. Does he believe this was a wise decision for Sadek? Not only does the president believe that uh, Sadiq countries sending troops to Mozambique was the wise decision, but he believes that uh, it was the right decision and it was 
a decision arrived at the right way, namely that it was a collective decision. It was all member states of SADC under the leadership of uh, the SADC organ, the Troika, which is chaired by South Africa, that decided that uh, the spirit of solidarity that binds SADC countries together, the spirit of Ubuntu, demands a response. Now, the response cannot be imposed because Mozambique is a sovereign state. And so, fortuitously, Mozambique is also a member state within SADC, so Mozambique uh, was engaged in that decision, and the Mozambican government welcomed this offer of support from uh, their SADC brothers and sisters. And, uh, and he's actually proud of how uh, SADC countries stepped up, not only with troops on the ground, but even technical support, humanitarian support, coming to the aid of our brothers in Mozambique. And, uh, and the fruits of that decision are now plain to see, and SADC countries, even at this 42nd summit, are determined to, to press on until this, uh, this battle is won. The summit in the DRC is taking place as uh, some SADC countries are dealing with uh, domestic issues that uh, could have some regional implications. What did the president say in terms of uh, regional integration, democracy, and security in the SADC region? The president was very emphatic that uh, if the priority for SADC nations is economic regional integration, then the conditions for economic integration have to be in place. And that, to the president, according to his keynote address, means a couple of things. On the one hand, it means that the software that enables regional economic integration needs to be in place. And in his mind, he said that the software is democracy. And so he said it is important that SADC sets the pace in the world, leads by example, by being the beacon of democracy. And so that means peaceful elections, credible elections, but also in the aftermath, of peaceful and credible elections, there has to be peaceful transition of power. Sean Campodeni is Director of Communications for Malawi President Lastro Chakwera. You are speaking with me from Kinshasa. Listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Thursday, August 18th. The UN in Ethiopia reports that about 9,000 Tigrayans who rights groups say were held illegally in camps in the Afar region are being released. Henry Wilkins speaks to some of those who gained their freedom in this report from Addis Ababa. The UN's Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCHA, announced Tuesday that about 9,000 people inhabiting camps for displaced people in the city of Samara are being allowed to return to their hometown of Abala. A report by the Ethiopian Human Rights Commission, EHRC, in June found that many of those in the camps were being held against their will. It said they were rounded up and forcibly removed from Abalo in December because of their Tigrayan ethnicity, when fighting broke out between the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front and Afar regional forces. In June, VOA visited the two camps in Samara and spoke with people who said they were being held against their will. Many were told by authorities they were being held in the camp for their own security, as TPLF attacked and occupied Abala. One of the people still living in the Samara camp, whose name VOA has withheld for his security, told VOA that nine buses returned people to Abala on Tuesday. Uh, 
He said that since the EHRC report, officials from various offices came and spoke with them about returning to Abala. A committee from the camp was allowed to visit Abala to observe the situation for returnees, he says. The people there told us the security is fine and we met with elders in Abala who endorsed our return. The TPLF left Abala in late April, asked why it had taken until now for inhabitants of the camp to be cleared for return to Abala. Yibakal Gazor Agonafir from the EHRC told VOA. The uh, regional state has been working with traditional and religious uh, leaders, primarily from Abala, uh, to ensure that reconciliation happens um, before these IDPs are able to return to their place of residence um, in Abala. Uh, this was uh, deemed necessary by the regional state because uh, the, there was a lot of tension that was created because of the conflict and uh, either real or perceived uh, participation or affiliation um, of, of uh, these uh, IDPs um, in, in the conflict. Asked the same question, Michelle Saad of Ocha said lack of basic services in Abala hindered their return. We have to keep in mind that in many of these places, the basic services uh, are still have not been functioning or are still not functioning as we speak today. So uh, returning them was not like a, a, a feasible or viable option until now. According to the UN, there is no access to electricity, water or health facilities in Abala. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Addis Ababa. Ethiopia. The Director General of the World Health Organization, Tedros Abhano Ghebreyesus, said Wednesday that Ethiopia's conflict raiding province of Tigray is the worst humanitarian and man-made disaster on earth. Lisa Stein reports for VOA from Geneva. The WHO chief says more than 6 million people in Tigray have been under siege by Ethiopia and Eritrea for nearly two years. He says they have been sealed off from the outside world with no electricity, no banking services, and only limited fuel supplies. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus says a trickle of food aid and medicine has been reaching the beleaguered northern province since a truce between the Ethiopian government and Tigray rebel forces was declared in late March. He says the population is still facing multiple outbreaks of diseases, including malaria, anthrax, and cholera. Nowhere in the world you would see this level of cruelty, where it's a government punishes 6 million of its people for more than 21 months by denying them basic services. The 57-year-old Tedros is not a neutral observer of the Tigray conflict. He is a native of the region, served as a Tigray regional health official in the early 2000s, and he later spent more than a decade in the Ethiopian government, first as Minister of Health, then as Minister of Foreign Affairs. Tedros notes peace talks for the Tigray conflict are ongoing. However, he says they are leading nowhere because powerful countries in the developed world are not using their influence to make this happen. He says all eyes are focused on the tragedy unfolding in Ukraine to the detriment of the tragedy playing out in Tigray. The humanitarian crisis in Tigray is more than Ukraine, without any exaggeration. And I said it many months ago, maybe the reason is 
the color of the skin of the people in Tigray. WHO Chief Tedros says he is appealing to the Ethiopian government to resolve the conflict in Tigray peacefully. He says the government has the power to do this, adding the ball is in the government's hands. Tedros says he also is appealing to the Russian government to end the war in Ukraine and choose peace. He says both the Ethiopian and Russian governments can make peace happen if they choose to do so. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. The U.S. government's decision this week to sanction three senior officials of President George Weah's government for corruption continues to dominate the news in Liberia. The latest reaction comes from Alexander Cummings, leader of the Alternative National Congress Party and possible presidential candidate in 2023. Cummings says President Weah should not just suspend the three officials, he should fire and request the help of the U.S. to prosecute them. The three officials are Minister of State for Presidential Affairs, Nathaniel McGee, Sema, Sirenio Cephas, the Solicitor General and Chief Prosecutor, and Bill Tuawe, Managing Director of the National Port Authority. In a statement on Monday, the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control said that through their corruption, the three officials have undermined democracy in Liberia for their own personal benefit. Cummings tells me that we should demonstrate his commitment to stamp out corruption in Liberia or he will be seen as an enabler. My immediate reaction is, first of all, to thank the United States government for doing what we Liberians should be doing. That is calling out for punishment those people who are stealing from us, the Liberian people. Second reaction is to call on President Weah to dismiss those official and to begin to set the right examples for our country, for our people. His suspension of those officials is not enough, and this is on our president as the leader. The buck stops with President Weah. You made a comment uh, in your speech that uh, the fish rots from the head. Are you suggesting that President Weah knew about the allegations against these officials? As I said, James, he either was derelict in his duty and responsibility as president, if he claims he did not know, or he was complicit, or he was a part of it, or he benefited from it, is one or the other. And it is a biological, scientific fact that the fish gets rotten from the head. The level of corruption and stealing in Liberia today is unparalleled, and the president has to take responsibility what's happening in his government, and he has to take action to stop it. And this is what Liberians are demanding. My understanding is that uh, President Weah realizes or recognizes the seriousness and that suspending them is the first step. I believe just dismissing them will not go far enough. It will not provide the level of consequence necessary to stop the wanton looting of our country. James, this culture of impunity has to end. President Will was elected. He said in his inaugural address, he will stamp out corruption. He needs to do that. And so dismissing, in my mind, is not enough. These people should be prosecuted because we have to end this era of impunity of people believing they can come, steal their poor money, leave, and get away with it. We have to stop it, 
And the way to do that is to start to prosecute people or stealing from, from Liberian people. What do you say to some people in the government who accused people like you in the opposition as using the United States and other countries to help you win the next election? James, I don't know what the United States government did by calling out the corruption in President Weah's government. How does that help me get elected? I don't get the connection or the correlation between the two things. These people stole these monies of their own volition. It had nothing to do with Alexander Cummings or anybody else running for office. The United States is scrupulous in trying not to interfere in elections in other countries. So people make those statements. They tend to be partisans. They tend to be supporters of the president. There's no basis in that. There's nothing to support. The fact that these people stole and are being called out, nothing to do with electing Alexander Cummings president of Liberia. I have to make my own case to Liberian people, and they will decide who they want to lead them in 2024 and beyond. Mr. Cummings, thank you so much. Uh, We are always happy to speak with you. Thank you, James. I appreciate this. Alexander Cummings is the leader of the Alternative National Congress Party of Liberia. You are speaking with us from the Liberian capital, Monrovia. And that's it for this Thursday, August 18th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Carpet. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I'm James Barty in Washington, saying have a great day, but please be safe whatever you do.